Welcome to the Recession Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. Join your host, Sam Newell, as he educates you on how to make profitable, low-risk real estate investments that will cash flow through any economy. Hear interviews with the top real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the country to find out what they've learned and implemented since the 2008 recession. With over 10 years in real estate investing, it has become Sam's goal to help others invest for double-digit returns, but to also stay safe and not get caught in the next downturn. Tune in and become recession-proof. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Recession-Proof Real Estate Investing Podcast. We have an awesome guest today. I'm really excited about it. Uh, Jesse Fuccia, welcome to the show. Yeah, Sam, thanks for having me on. Um, I think we were talking before the show, but like I said, I mean, love the content that you push out to your listeners and all the value that you add and you know, friends with a couple of the the people that have come on. So it's pretty cool when you're a huge fan, you've crushed all the shows and then you get to come on yourself. That's the, that's the biggest kicker there. So thanks for having me on. I'm pumped for today. Thanks, man. Thank you. And, and I'm excited to talk. I mean, I actually get just as excited to talk to my guests or maybe more. I mean, I, I get all nerdy and excited when we talk about, you know, you fixing up homes in, in upstate New York and about to go on a contract on a mobile home park. And then your military involvement, really cool. You're an army ranger. I was telling you before this that my my best friend in, in college and I were just really wanted to get into uh, the military, do special forces. It was a dream of mine. I almost tried it again last year. Couldn't walk away from my family and and kind of do that to them. So in another life, that's what I honestly, I felt like that's what I would have done. If we go back to World War II, my, my grandpa was actually a, a sniper for the Marine Corps in the South Pacific. Wow. And he didn't talk a lot about it, but one thing he did say is he didn't like shooting people. He was a sharpshooter in the group, and he said he he didn't like actually having to to pull that trigger a whole lot. And so he got out and then became a flight mechanic on B-29s after that. So he joined uh, when he was 16. So he's down in the South Pacific fighting World War II when he's 16 years old. Lied about his age, just like a lot of guys that that time period. My other grandpa was a demolition expert on the European front in World War II. So he was demoing bridge and and also the, the booby trapped or the ex- unexploded explosives that the Germans would leave behind. He was in charge of, of working on those. And then my step-grandpa was a cook. So awesome. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, uh, everyone contributes. And yeah, I mean, it was, it's been one of the greatest privilege that I've had in my life so far, you know, fulfilling just from the lessons I've learned that if you know, helped me in, in my daytime job and, you know, what I do in the military, but also as an entrepreneur in real estate. So yeah, it's been, it's been a great privilege and it definitely influences me every day, but that's cool. I'm, I'm first generation military. I'm the first guy to, to serve, but that's cool that okay. you come from a, a long family. So yeah, yeah, it's fun. I, I really hope my son does something with it. I'm going to push, not push him, but encourage him to, to do something with that. I think we want to keep that that uh, patriotic blood sh- bloodline going and, and we'll see what happens. But let's jump back to real estate. You're about to go into contract on 141 mobile home park portfolio. Tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, basically probably about six or so months ago, our current portfolio is based majority in just residential, uh, single family homes, duplexes and stuff like that within the student housing niche. And and obviously with student housing throughout COVID, it, it was a big deal when you talk about like the concept of recession proof and stuff like that. The universities went remote. Uh, kids are, are moving back home for entire semesters. Uh, collections 
throughout student housing from a macro level um, were pretty poor. Fortunately, in our own portfolio, we fared pretty well. Um, I think that just speaks to the, the level of product that we provide the consumer and the type of tenant that we attract. Uh, we were at 100% occupancy, 100% collections, but that is definitely not uh, not the same for the entire uh, student housing niche. So about six months or so ago, we we're like, hey, you know, we should diversify into a more recession proof asset class. You know, what's out there and, and really scale to larger assets and into commercial real estate. And that's how we came across um, affordable housing in, in mobile home parks. So pr- pretty interesting. And in, in what kind of pushed us down that route and, and what made us think that uh the affordable housing side is actually there's a huge demand for it, not only in you know tertiary markets and you know secondary markets, primary markets. It's it, there's really a demand for it all over the country. So that that was kind of like the motivation to uh, start looking at mobile home parks. And then um, this deal has actually been on market for over a year now. Um, it was listed at 1.5 million um, before right right before COVID, so early 2020. Um, just in constant contact with the broker, following up every month, uh, following up with the owner. He had several buyers, unfortunately, fall through uh, due to financing issues with COVID and stuff like that. So that's how it eventually, uh, you know, at that level of motivation, we were able to uh, get it under contract for uh, $800,000 in, in seller financing. Wow. So uh, a pretty wow. big discount from uh, what it originally was listed at in early 2020. And, and really, uh, what you saw was just a motivated seller, a retiree who was looking to retire and, and get out of the state and, you know, spend more time with his family, you know, his grandkids, but really, you know, just following up with that broker every month, uh, getting it down to the price point that made sense for us that left enough meat on the bone that worked with our pro forma. Um, but yeah, it comes to about $5,700 a pad. Nice. And, um, and, and again, I, I don't know how savvy some of your listeners are on, on mobile home parks and stuff, but at $5,700 a pad, I mean, you can't uh, develop a single mobile right. home pad with infrastructure, concrete, you know, water, electricity, sewer uh, for $5,700. So that kind of speaks, speaks to the, the price point that, that we were able to get it under. And uh, yeah, pretty, pretty awesome. Six months ago, we were pure residential real estate. You know, I, made the mindset change that like, hey, I want to do bigger deals. I want to scale to commercial and into an asset class that is recession-proof. That's how we found mobile home parks. And and really, that's how we found that deal. So it's pretty interesting. That's awesome, man. A lot of really good things that you said there. I want to to jump to the recession-proof. Thank you for for, uh, talking about that because that's why I got into syndicating larger deals. So I was building fourplex communities with a group and I was watching these investors buy a duplex or a fourplex at a time and and one one or two units would go vacant and they'd call me panicking like hey I got to get this rent immediately I'm negative cash flow. And you know I would tell them you know save for 6 months. I would tell them when they purchased it put 6 months of mortgage payments away, mortgage payments and expenses. And so I watched that and I just I was just like man there's got to be we've got to be able to scale and get some economies of scale. So I started in 2016 and 17, really researching and, and looking more and more, and then finally made the decision to break away from that and do syndication in 2018. And you know, you have one or two or five or 10 vacancies in our deals, you don't even feel it. I mean, your yeah. cash flow is a tiny little little bit, tiny bit lower, but you're still cash flowing. And now the deals that we buy, every deal we've purchased, you can be 25% vacant and still cover your bills. And there's no panicked investors. There's no losing sleep at night. Like, can I pay the mortgage? And then COVID hit. 
yeah made us look really good because there's people losing sleep panicking telling their investors they needed money telling their investors there's mo- no money to distribute meanwhile we're we're sitting back like <laughs> hey we told you so you know like we were really excited we we were having fun we don't want people to get hurt or, or lose money but we were excited that our underwriting principles were true and that the theme of being recession proof was well thought out and very future looking and and very I don't know. I think just a smarter way of investing rather than trying to make a killing, which we do anyways, but trying to think of when is that next recession and and can I withstand that next big dip? And it sounds like that's the same goal that you have is, you know, I've got these single family properties that are doing really well, but how about we look at something that's more scalable and at $5,700 a pad, you're killing it. There's no way you can't scale that and and just have amazing cash flow through any economy. Yeah, hundred percent agree. And I mean, you already hit on it with you know, I mean, think of it at a with a hundred forty one lots at eight hundred thousand dollars, like seller financing. Our monthly payments are already going to be so low that it's like we have that margin for errors now so high, and we can kind of work to do a lot of value add stuff. It's really it's it's a great find. It's in a little bit more of a tertiary market, but I mean, even in those tertiary markets, there's still a high demand for affordable housing. And I mean, as you know, unfortunately, during recessions, you know, people who aren't able to rent apartment buildings will will still obviously need a safe, secure place to live. And, and that's what we're hoping to provide with them uh, with mobile home parks. So there's also like kind of that concept of it as well. I love that, man. That's so great. You're providing an amazing service for people. And that's the thing you mentioned is let's not be slumlords. Let's take yeah. good care of these units. It can still be affordable. You can still make amazing cash flow as the owner without being a slumlord. And I think that's a really great service that you can provide. And I put up a, a video on TikTok that said, talked a lot about the asset we're buying in Cleveland, how there's probably two to $300 in upside without doing anything to the units. The units are way under rented awesome. and he's not a slumlord, but they do need some work as well. Just updating. And so these guys, these people on TikTok were saying, whoa, you're these evil landlords. You're trying to bleed the, the renters dry. And I'm like, no, like they have an amazing place to live. They actually don't mind paying more that we're still the best place in the market. We're updating units, giving them washers and dryers that they didn't have before. So now they don't have to go to the coin op laundry down the street awesome. or in the basement. They don't have to walk their laundry up and down stairs anymore. So yes, we're raising rents. Yes, we're making money off of people, but we're also providing a really good service. And that's what capitalism is all about. I provide a service. I'm honest and good, and I do a good job and people pay me for it. And that's what being a landlord is all about. And I think there's a lot of slumlords out there that give us a bad name. And it's, it's unfortunate because if you buy right and if you operate things efficiently, you don't need to be a slumlord and, and you don't need to bleed a property dry and and you can take good care of your renters and your tenants and your residents. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with that. You know, you already kind of hit the nail on the head, but also like just being an empathetic capitalist where, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, even if the rents do go up in, in affordable housing, it's, it won't be hundreds of dollars, but it'll be for us, it'll be 15, 20, $25 over the course of a couple of years. Yeah. Um, you know, providing a, a very safe, secure, secure, clean housing solution. I mean, we do that already with our student housing. And we're very accustomed and, and see, unfortunately, the slumlords that are out there that 
rip the tenants, you know, security deposits, you know, don't keep their homes up to code, uh, not providing a safe place to live. But that, you know, that's the opposite end of the spectrum from where we're at. We want to create scenarios where everybody wins. We win, the tenants win, the municipality or the city wins because we're updating the buildings and we're making them aesthetically more pleasing for the community. I mean, even with this, you know, current mobile home park, um, I actually have a meeting next week with the mayor of the municipality. And we're going to go in and we're going to sit down with him, his economic development team, the zoning uh, team, the supervisor. And we're really going to be like, hey, you know, we want feedback from you guys. You know, we want to we want to get after this task together. You know, let's let's go faster together and let's work together on this. We want to uh, provide your tenants or your residents with a safe, secure housing solution. You know, let's do this together. And so far, the feedback from the municipality has been, yeah, I mean, it's been awesome, but totally agree with everything you're saying. Empathetic capitalism is, is very crucial. I love it, man. We bought a hotel at the end of 2019. First thing I did was met with the city, the chief of police, the sheriff, because there is huge drug and human trafficking issues there when we bought it did joint stings with us marshals drug task awesome. force <laughs> sheriff taking people like they were taking kilos and kilos out of my hotel well the issue was is the owner before us so we bought it in december up until december the police were not allowed on premises wow. unless they had a warrant they they had a do not trespass for any law enforcement because this hotel owner knew that he was going to get a lot of cash paying tenants it was an extended stay hotel and he didn't want to scare them off by allowing police on and so he saved a lot of money in taxes but he ran it into the ground it used to be the nicest hotel in that city and uh, we started remodeling within two months multiple joint stings with police and sheriff and u.s marshals and what i did is i actually called the chief of police and i was like hey i need your officers at my hotel every day and he's like, well, I don't know if we can do that. I'm like, no, you will do it because I'm going to buy them lunch and dinner. And they're nice. going to come eat the dinner and lunch that I buy for them during their lunch break and dinner break at the hotel. So it's free dinner for them. And I just need you to tell them to come, come pick it up. And he's like, oh, well, I don't think they'll turn down free food. <laughs> you know. Nice. So all I Great wanted idea. them to do was drive into my parking lot, sit there and, and eat their Chipotle or whatever I bought for them that day. And uh, their Red Robin or their Subway, whatever it was. And it was funny because you'd watch, we had this big, um, it was a U-shaped hotel. You'd watch these drug dealers drive in and oh, then they see the cop and then be like, oh shit, try and play it cool. They'd turn around and drive back and then they take off. You know, yeah. So you watch that happen for about a month and then we started have, having family show up, less drug dealers, no human trafficking after that. But it, but you know, that was capitalism, capitalism at, as it's at its finest. We bought it for next to nothing. The guy had run it into the ground. We started making a ton of money and we sold it for three times what we bought it for. Because what happened is no one wanted to buy it. No one wanted to take on that drug hotel. They were absolutely scared. Me and my partner were stupid enough. We're like, screw it. We'll, we'll take out the human traffickers. We'll take out the drug traffickers. We're not scared. And we did. We took them out. They're not there anymore. And it was fun. And then we made triple our money and it's a nice hotel now. So capitalism, absolutely. But with some sympathy and empathy and, and doing it the right way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Fun story to talk about. <laughs> Any Anything crazy? I mean, were you guys knocking on doors and anything like that or any, well, any threatening stuff, I should say? Any yeah. I mean, there's guns all over the place, man. Kilos and kilos of cocaine coming out of rooms, gold plated AK-47s. I mean, actual oh cartel members. 
but it was funny because I called the chief of police up. And I was like, gosh, damn it. Stop kicking my doors in. <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, well, sorry, I had a warrant. I'm like, come to the office and I'll give you a key to the room. Damn it. Like stop yeah. kicking in my doors. They're expensive. <laughs> I need to laugh. So I'm like, no, seriously, I'll give you a master key. Just so, stop, um, stop kicking in my doors. Yeah. They're expensive. Every time you kick a damn door in, it's like a hundred <laughs> something bucks, man. Like, yeah. Geez. So it was kind of funny, but, um, no, yeah, we had some crazy, I mean, drugs all, we had to replace a sewer main. We pull up the sewer main. There's just needles going down the sewer. And, um, I mean, we put a stop to all that, but yeah, there is, it was the, the funniest one I saw this, this chick was, um, she was pimping out a bunch of other girls. We got her arrested. They had a ton of drugs in there. We're going through a room and on her desk was this book, how to be a cartel wife. No way. <laughs> like, wow. She's studying up on this stuff. <laughs> she can't believe her. She's probably in the podcast too. And uh, she's maybe there's on. a maybe there's a how to be a cartel wife podcast. Who knows? <laughs> uh it was pretty funny. But what well, another thing you touched on, I want to get back to um your your mobile home park deal, my Cleveland deal right now. So we're buying our Cleveland deal at 71,000 per door, 187 doors. And there's two things I want to want to point out my location is phenomenal one and a half miles from the cleveland clinic there's no land left to build you have to knock stuff down to build new a-class assets but then the a-class you build is so expensive i feel like that's high risk i don't want any part of that you're building for two hundred thousand dollars a door so for one hundred and twenty nine thousand less per door i'm buying a clean really good asset in an amazing location Next to a massive employer, our average credit score for our tenants is 730. It's just ridiculous. And your mobile home park, you're getting for $5,700 a pad. Number one, they don't let you build mobile home parks anymore. Number two, you can't find the land in decent locations. And it's hard to fill them up. So you have a very unique asset class that you're buying at a price where you cannot replace it for what you're buying it for, not even close. And that's the amazing thing about value add purchases is you can buy it for way less than you can build it and have amazing resilience for you know any type of recession and amazing cash flow and and oftentimes the location will be better than if you were to go build it. Yeah, no, I mean absolutely agree. And you hit the nail on the head. But yeah, I mean a ton of value add upside potential here. And and yeah, I mean there's there is a huge demand for affordable housing, even in kind of those smaller markets and stuff like that. Um, even if you're not in a primary market or, or a great market like Cleveland, but uh, but yeah, a ton of value add. I mean, the prior owner, I I, I don't have any crazy stories yet uh, that can top anywhere near that that hotel. But uh, you know, just more of like a hands off owner who who didn't you know care to build back some of the utilities, so he has a super high expense ratio. I mean super easy things that we can do within the first 30, 60, 90, 120 days to double, if not even triple our NLI. Um, it, it's really awesome. I mean, really high expense ratio. It's got about a 70% occupancy rate. We're running test ads right now to really test that demand of, of affordable housing. But uh, we, we think we're going to have no issue here uh, once we get it tied up today. So, but, but yeah, I mean, prior owner, you, again, just the retiree who, who just got tired of it and, and just didn't care to, uh, to build back all those utilities and, and other things. But yeah, I mean, huge, huge value add play at, at a remarkable price. So we're really excited. That's awesome, man. And, and I love that it's affordable and 
the thing is you can still make a ton of money on affordable housing and have it still be a good deal for, deal for the people. We're raising rents by a ton in Cleveland, but they can either go pay 2000 a month for all the nice A-class stuff. They can go from 700 to 1400 a month in our stuff. Yeah. Or they can go pay 700 or 600 and live in East Cleveland and try not to get shot. Yeah. You know, like every city has a bad area. Cleveland has a bad area. And so it's cool because, you know, we're getting flack from some, these people on TikTok, some trolls. And it's like, I don't feel bad at all. I mean, we're providing an amazing place that's still affordable compared to all the A-class and it's next to a Starbucks and it's next to a marketplace and a steakhouse and a bar bistro. And it's still affordable and, and people are loving it. So buy for less than you can build is oh, yeah. name of value add, have a good location and, and have affordable housing. I want to jump back to um, one thing that you, you and I were talking about a little bit is um, well, not even talked about, it, you just mentioned it is you kind of changed your mindset and you said, I want to go, I want to do this. I want to get into commercial. I want to get into bigger. And for me, it was a hurdle. I had to change my mindset, but said as well, it was a little bit more natural for me because I had been building 300 unit developments and $36 million fourplex developments in Boise and Idaho and Texas or Boise, Utah and Texas. It's a little bit more natural for me, but I want to talk to you a little bit about you went from single family and, you know, army Rangers, you guys have very strong mindsets. You guys are built to not be quitters and, and kick ass no matter what, not give up, but share with me a little bit of the mindset of changing from single family to let's go big, let's go multifamily. And were you intimidated and how did you do that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and again, to give the listeners context, we we probably have, I think, eight college houses, uh, probably split between four single families and four duplexes. So probably right around uh, 12 units or so to go. So to go from 12 to 141 in, in six months is, was insane. And and really, it was just like within student housing, you know, we do a lot of that management in-house. So there's a lot of broken, you know, smashed windows, holes in the walls, fill in the blank, what goes into, you know, college housing and stuff like that. And it was just like a, a mindset shift where it was like, you know, I don't want to like be a landlord. I want to be an entrepreneur. And and how do I do that in real estate? Well, I need to scale to larger commercial assets. So it was really just that mindset decision of like, Hey, you know, I, I you know, I'm going to start networking. I'm going to get in the podcast. I'm going to get in the books. And I'm going to learn how to do this. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, joke. I, I would probably say when I made this decision last October, like I didn't know what a cap rate was because in <laughs> residential real estate and single family homes, like we don't obviously use cap rates, but it was like, okay, let's start from square one and let me start networking with guys. Let me get, okay, Joe Ferris's book, I, you know, crushed it. Robert nice. Kiyosaki's book, crushed it. I mean, read Vinnie Chapa's book, crushed it, you know, three or four times, podcasts like this, getting on you know, calls with, you know, subject matter experts like yourself and picking your brain, you know, three or four times a day. It was, it was that mindset shift of like, Hey, I I don't want to like fix, you know, holes in the walls for the rest of my life. I want to be an entrepreneur and what's going to get me there is scaling through commercial real estate. And, and really, and like I said, in, in six months, it was a mindset shift. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of research. It was a lot of learning. It was a lot of getting kicked in the teeth. Uh, but it was like, Hey, this is all going to be worth it. And, and like I said, today we're, we'll be going under contract with 141 lots. So 12 units to 141 in, in six months by just a, a simple mindset change. It's pretty awesome. That's awesome, man. Congrats and props to you. And, and I want to point out something important is it was a lot of work. You put in effort. I actually coach for Rod Cleef and, and, um, I have four coaching students now and I kind of make fun of them. I'm like, 
guys, you said you had these goals, but you've only talked or you've only made calls to like five brokers about finding properties and you've looked at three. Like we look at like 150 properties to buy one or two. Yeah. You're not playing the numbers game. You're not working hard. And I, I say it a little bit nicer, but you <laughs> kind of give them shit. Like, do you, do you want to do this or not? Like take some steps, take some action and actually get out there. And yes, it's, 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 uh, I have this saying, I, I'll have to send it to you, but you know, hard work is time consuming, boring, repetitious, and to hit these big goals, you're going to be bored and it, it's going to be the same thing over and over. And you're going to have to do play the numbers game. And, and as a result of doing those things, you can make a huge amount of money. And that was one of my affirmations for years and years and years is you just keep doing it. Just keep putting in the effort and, and put your, change your mindset. And I love what you said. I don't want to be a landlord. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be an owner. Yeah. I want to be an investor and, and owning a house, you're a landlord, you, you are tied and, and there's no scale owning a duplex or a fourplex. And that's what I wanted forever was scale. So now I think with this purchase, I'll be at almost a thousand doors personally. Awesome. And I have been to the units. I've seen them. I tell my property managers what I want them to do, but I've never lifted a hammer. You know, I've never awesome. gotten a call. I've never yeah. interviewed a tenant and tried to lease out the unit. I sold all of my single family last year and put all that money into these larger units. And I love it because my tax write-offs are way better. The scale's way better. And you know, we went I went from owning personally about a, a two million dollar portfolio to um, you know, in, in about 18 months' time, just over a sixty-five million dollar portfolio. Yeah. And I'm part owner in that, you know, I'm not the sole owner, but multifamily is fun because you can scale and it makes sense. And you're not tied and married to these little assets that don't cash flow in a bad recession, don't have economies of scale, don't give you the tax write-offs. They're a good place to start and learn. Everyone has to start somewhere and learn, but as fast as you can get away from single family and get into multifamily. Absolutely agree. And I, I just read the book last week, Who Not How, that kind of details about, you know, there's a difference between doing the $10 an hour tasks and doing the $10,000 an hour tasks. Yep. When we're in student housing, we're doing the $10, most of the time, the $10 oh, yeah. an hour task. And with, with commercial multifamily, it's a no brainer. You, uh, you are the entrepreneur, you're the general partner, you're doing the $10,000 an hour tasks. And that's where I want to live. So I love it, man. I love it. Well, Moral of the story today for today's interview, I think, is change your mindset and put in the damn work. Like, gosh, damn it. I'm so tired of these people that tell me they want to go and, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna retire in five years. I'm going to buy all these deals. And, and a month later, they're like, oh, I looked at these four deals. None of them worked. I'm so bummed. And it's like, what the hell? Like, put in some work. Like, if you really have these dreams that you want to hit put in the work. And, and I've always told people, I'm not the most talented. I never have been. I've just been the hardest worker. And there's people that work harder maybe, but very, very rarely. I was, it was funny. I was at a friend's house. We both have kids the same age. We're both in real estate. She's on her laptop next to me until midnight last night. We didn't even talk. We just, we're both just typing away. Our kids were screaming, running around. <laughs> the other lady was there with her kids and I'm just pounding shit out looking at this $51 million deal in, in Indianapolis before I knew it, it was midnight. And, and that's what it takes. You don't always have to do that, but you have to be willing to put in the extra hours, the extra effort and put in the damn work. And, and I told you before, this doesn't count for anything. I know, cause I didn't actually do it, but I wanted so bad to be in special forces. 
And I always think like, man, could I have done it? Like, yeah, because you don't have to be the most, most talented. I doubt the guys on your special forces teams are the smartest, the most gifted. What I've gathered from reading Marcus Richel, Luttrell's books and all these books by special forces is they just don't freaking quit. Yeah, They will not give up. And that's what they teach you in Hell Week and whatever the Army Rangers version of Hell Week is. And, and that's what they want to instill in your brain is don't ever give up. Don't ever give in. If you have a goal, you have to hit it. There's no other options You or die trying. And um, so we have a goal to get to $1 billion uh, portfolio by awesome. 2029. And if I don't hit it by 2029, that's okay. I am going to get there. And I'm going to drag my partners through the mud, carry them on my shoulders. They're going to carry me sometimes, but we're going to get there and we're going to get to a billion dollars in, in assets under management. But these guys that I coach or these other people that I talk to that fizzle out after a month, I think that's the big difference. It's not that I'm more skilled or better. I just, I refuse to give up and I refuse not to work my ass off. But tell me about being an army ranger and how that applies. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the mind, it all comes down to mindset, you know, whether it's being a ranger or whether it's, it's being an entrepreneur, it's all mindset. It, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's that never quit. It's that never die attitude. And, and also like being, you know, on one of the greatest teams in the world, it, it's part of that teamwork. And I think that's a huge part of being an entrepreneur too, is, is creating and building that right team, aligning the right leaders on your team to the right problems. I mean, it's so crucial, but, but yeah, it, it's the mindset. It's all about what I would describe as, you know, doing what others will not, whether that's being a ranger, whether that's acquisitions, your, you know, your acquisitions guy on the team, is he, is he, you know, leaving every day at two o'clock or is he banging the phones till seven o'clock at night every day? Um, yeah. You know, like even how we got this deal and in other deals that, you know, we've looked at, you know, I get off work at four or five o'clock, on Easter time. And I'm, I'm banging the phones for as long as I can on Eastern time and then central time. And then, uh, Pacific, you know, mountain Pacific time. It's like, you know, there's, there's no quit, there's no stop. And you've got to be willing to do what others will not. That is the key to success. And that's how, you know, you can scale in, in a short period of time. That's how I would kind of describe it. So. I love it, man. Be willing to do what others won't and, and don't quit. Just, just keep at it. Even if, you know, here's what I tell my students. Even if you spend 15 minutes a day, every day at it, the consistency and then the fact that you're not quitting, that you're still calling another broker, looking at it, analyzing another property every single day. That's how I started my real estate career. That's how I became a seven-figure earner is I wasn't the best realtor by any means. I didn't know what, I didn't know what a cap rate was either when I bought my first flip, my first rental. All I knew is I wanted to, I wanted to make money and, and have an amazing life for my family and be able to be charitable and help others someday. And you can't do that if you don't make money. So I started cold calling 8 a.m. to noon every day for six years. And I started making more money and getting better and increasing my skills. And I just wouldn't give up. And I had that motto written on a paper on my desk. You know, yes, it's going to be boring. Yes, it's going to be time consuming. Yes, you know, making a lot of money is going to be tough and it's going to be the same thing every, every day. But as a result, you can get there and hit your goals and, and make a lot of money. And in 2018, I finally hit seven figures. It was amazing, but it was, it was the consistency of every day since 2010 to 2018, making 40, 50 calls a day for four hours straight and then going on appointments. And if I didn't get my appointments, go back to the office, make more calls. So it gives me, you know, tinglys when you're talking about 
calling East Coast time, pounding the phones, Central yeah. time, West Coast time. That's how you make it in this business. And that's how we find deals. And and um, I love it. So anytime you guys want to do a deal, if you guys find a deal that you need money and help with, we're happy to. We've got everything set up. I tell everyone, if you're committed and that hard of a worker, we'll help you get a deal done for sure. So love what you're doing, man. Yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, it's it's all, I mean, you hit it. It's persistence. It's waking up every day. It's getting kicked in the teeth, going back to bed, waking up the next day, getting kicked in the teeth. And I, I would tell everybody, and I get these calls even now with, you know, how we've scaled here in the last six months, like people who, you know, similar to what you're describing where it's like, you know, man, Jesse, I just can't get the traction. It's like, dude, you know, A, you're showing up two days a week. B, you've been doing this for like three weeks. Yeah. Like, Dude, hey, this dues. is a marathon, man. This is a hey, marathon. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's persistence. It's doing it every day. It's a marathon. But uh, but yeah, man, I mean, today was a blast. I mean, no doubt in my mind that by 2029, I'll be talking to a, a guy who's got a billion dollars assets under management. Absolutely no doubt in the mind. So man, this is awesome. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. I'm excited. And thank you for your service, by the way. Um, you said you went to the Middle East and and we do appreciate you being in, in the military, serving our country. And again, I wish I had done it myself. You know, we support you guys a ton and really appreciate everything you do and you sacrifice and God bless America. I guess that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Thanks, brother. God bless you too. God bless this country. And I'm, I'm great that we live in the greatest country in the world that lets us be entrepreneurs and, and pursue our dreams. And it's where anything is possible. So yeah, man, thanks. I'm, I'm with you there. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jesse. Uh, last thing I, I do want to ask you one last question before we get done. How do people get in contact with you if they have questions about your deals? I mean, what can I promote for you and, and how can I help you or how can our listeners help you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm huge on LinkedIn. So we'll, uh, we can put that link in the show notes or whatever. But yeah, I would tell everybody and anyone, if it's real estate related, if it's mindset related, if it's military related, hey, shoot me a note on Facebook, shoot me a note on LinkedIn, shoot me a text, whatever. I will make time to get on the phone with you. I don't care if it's big, small, if it's a LP who's looking to invest a million dollars, if it's a dude who just wonders what uh, life is like inside the Ranger Regiment, like shoot me a note, dude, I will make time on my schedule to get with you and and we'll make it happen. So yeah, LinkedIn primary, but anyway, I'm going to answer. So Awesome. Jesse Futia, thank you so much for being on the call. I'm going to press stop. Um, don't jump off. But again, thank you for being on the podcast. Awesome.